Uh, if you could just bow your heads with me in prayer again. Uh, just pray with me that God would uh, speak to us this morning through His Word. Uh, God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we we don't want to hear my words uh, this morning. Lord, we want to hear from you. We pray that that God, you would focus our gaze upon Jesus through the through your written word and through the proclamation of your written word this morning. That any any words that are not from you, that they would just fall on deaf ears. And anything that is from you, God, that it would uh, truly penetrate our hearts, and that you'd give us the, the ability to be able to walk by faith uh, and apply um, what we learn today. Lord, we ask that in your name, Christ. Amen. So I could stand up here today and preach to you guys uh, that you need to endure with a faith that is not weak and that you need to endure with a faith that is not wavering at all, uh, like I do. But if I were to do that, that would be foolish. Because to be honest with you, um, there are times when my faith is weak. There are times when my faith wavers. Uh, there are days and periods of time that it can seem very difficult to endure by faith. There are days where when you, when you wake up, it seems as if God, it feels as if God is distant from you. And there are days when we're bombarded by situations and circumstances and issues that are just going on within our lives that tend to just cause us to just drudge through life. And we can become so discouraged that we don't want to do anything at all. Uh, on Wednesday, I had a friend who told me that uh, he and his wife, uh, who she was fairly far along in her pregnancy, had lost their baby. Um, and I, I could not possibly imagine the pain that they are going through, and I hope that I never have to experience the pain that they are going through. But I could literally hear it in his voice as he was speaking to me on the phone. Now, I'm sure that if we were able to see them in person, you would be able to physically see how they are hurting. I mean, they physically saw with their own eyes the doctor who came in and they heard from his mouth the words uh, of the terrible news that they had lost their child. Uh, he likely now sees the pain that his wife is struggling through right now with the loss of their child. And as believers, we know that things like this happen because sin has entered into the world along with, with suffering and death. But we do not always know the specific reasons why certain things happen the way they do. And it can be easy for all of us when we are suffering to allow these things in the world that we can visibly see and the busyness and the suffering that exists within it to take our focus off of the greater spiritual realities that we cannot visibly see. And it can be very difficult to endure and to walk by faith. But we'll learn today that the writer of the book of Hebrews is encouraging those that he is writing to to endure by faith. And so if you have your Bibles, please take them, turn to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11. And as you turn there, I just want to briefly give us a context of what is going on in the first 10 chapters leading up to chapter 11, so that we can better understand what the author is trying to communicate to us within chapter 11. 
So as you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the author of the book of Hebrews here, he is writing to a Jewish audience, and he's writing to them with the main overarching goal of showing them that Jesus and the new covenant that he is mediator of is greater than the old covenant. He writes of how Jesus is greater than the angels. He is greater than the prophets within the Old Testament. He is greater than Moses. Jesus' priesthood is greater than the priesthood within the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. His blood that was shed on the cross to atone for sins is greater than the blood that was shed of bulls and goats that did not fully atone for sins. And it's not that the Old Covenant wasn't good, but that it was just insufficient. And yet, as time went on, the Jewish people, they took the supernatural system that God had gave them under the Old Covenant, and they turned it into a works-based system. And so salvation to the first century Jews, the ones that this author is writing to, was wrongly centered around works. But the system that God set up within the Old Covenant was meant to point toward the greater one who would come. He's writing to many Jews that claim to have trusted in Christ, who are being persecuted and who are suffering, and they are being tempted to revert back to this old system, this man-made system of works-based salvation. But God, He's always redeemed man through faith and not by works. I mean, you can see in Genesis 15:6, And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. In Habakkuk 2, 4, it says, But the righteous shall live by faith. So works have always been a result of genuine faith in God and His promises. And I like the way Melissa Kruger, she's an author, writes that the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. Jesus' blood atoned for sin once and for all. The old covenant was written on stone tablets. The new covenant is written on our hearts. The high priest entered into an earthly place of worship to intercede for the people once a year. Jesus entered heaven itself into the very presence of God and forever intercedes on our behalf. And though the Jews were richly blessed with God's favor through the ministry of the prophets, priests, and kings, it would be foolish for them to continue living in the shadows once the substance of their faith had been fulfilled in the person of Christ. Why continue living on crumbs when invited to a feast? As he comes to chapter 10, the author he writes about how Jesus' sacrifice atoned for sins once and for all, and he warns those whom he's writing to in verses 19 through 39 not to shrink back and throw away their confidence, but instead he encourages them in verses 32 through 35 of chapter 10 to recall the former days when they were enlightened and how they endured hard struggles and sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with with those so treated. They had compassion on those who were in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. And why? He writes, because they had a better possession, salvation in Christ. And he encourages them not to throw away their confidence, which has great reward, but to endure so that when they have done the will of God, they will receive what is promised. He's encouraging them to endure by looking forward to the future reward promised to them by God in Christ through the new covenant. And he continues to encourage them and us to endure by faith in chapter 11 by briefly defining what faith is. And then he gives example after example of Old Testament saints, which we heard Trevor read from as he read through chapter 11, of those who endured by faith in God and His promises. 
As we work through some of chapter 11, we'll, to get, we'll see together that we are all called to endure with a foundation of faith in God and His promises. We're called to endure with a foundation of faith in God and His promises. And so we're not going to cover the entire chapter, chapter this morning. It, it would be impossible. You could literally spend months just on chapter 11. But we're mainly going to focus on the first verse together, and then we're going to briefly look uh, at a few passages throughout the chapter, which are, I believe are foundational for us to grasp if we're to live a life of fruitful endurance as believers and for us to better understand why the Old Testament saints endure as they did. So let's look at Hebrews 11, uh, just verses 1 and 2. We're just going to read verses 1 and 2 together since Trevor's already read through the chapter for us uh, during our scripture reading. But starting in verse 1, the author of Hebrew writes, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Let's read it again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. And so how do we endure with a foundation of faith in God and His promises? And I believe that to do so, we must first understand two important characteristics of what faith is according to the author of Hebrews. He writes in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Therefore, if we are going to endure by faith... We are called first to endure with an assurance of things hoped for. And this is the first characteristic of faith that the writer of Hebrews mentions here in verse 1. So what does he mean? What is this assurance and what are these things hoped for? And let's think about this in context of the chapter. So in in verses 3 through 38, he's going to give many examples of men and women from the Old Testament who lived their lives with this assurance of things hoped for. So to have assurance, it means we have a grounds for certainty. It means we have a grounds for certainty. And we have full confidence and trust that something will happen or come about. For example, when we were in the process of closing our home, which happened actually happened this Thursday, uh, finally, um, I can promise you that we did not have a full assurance or a full confidence that we're going to close on this house. I mean, there's so many different factors, and you guys know, and things that could come into play that could prevent us from closing on this home. Thankfully, we did. But there are certain things that we can hope for and that we can bring before God in prayer, which we did with the whole house situation. Like job opportunities, you know, maybe a desire to, to live in a, in a different home or to go to a different place, or you could go down the list and list off many different things that you can bring before the Lord in prayer. And this is a good thing to do. We should bring all things before Him in prayer. But with these things, we bring before Him, holding them loosely, and ultimately asking that God would allow His will to be done. And I do not believe that these are the things hoped for here in verse 1. So these Old Testament saints listed off in chapter 11, they did not live with an assurance that God would just give them anything that they hoped for. This was not the foundation for their assurance. The things hoped for and the foundation for their confident assurance is the promises of God and that God would fulfill those promises that He had made to them. They rested in the promises of God. They trusted that God is true to His Word and that they would one day receive what He had promised to them. 
An author, William Lane, he writes, The blessings for which we hope are firmly secured by the promises of God. Now I think this is why the author, he urges uh, those he's, he's writing to in, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 35, Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. Because if our assurance and the foundation, our foundation is built upon the promises of God to us, then we can be certain that He will fulfill what He has promised to us in His Word. I think this is a, a good point for us to stop and just kind of examine ourselves. You know, do we have this confidence, trust, or assurance that is built upon the solid foundation of God's promises to us within the Scriptures? Or do we have an assurance that's wavering? Because you have a faith that is built upon the foundation of your own good works. You know, like many of the Jews from the first century who were relying upon their own good works to justify themselves before God, your assurance is wavering because you do not know if your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. But I can assure you, according to the Scriptures, that there is no amount of good works that we can do to justify ourselves before God. And I think this is the most important promise that we must grasp a hold of by faith if we are to endure to the end and receive the reward of eternal life. The promise of salvation extended to us through Christ by the new covenant. That if we turn from our sin and trust in Christ, then we will be saved. If you do not have this assurance of things hoped for, then I hope and pray that you see your sin for what it is. Sin is something that God hates. It's something that separates us from Him. But God has made a way for us to be made right with Him so that there would be no more separation. He sent Christ to live a perfect life of obedience and to willingly lay down His life to pay the penalty for our sins. Or maybe we're here today, we've, we've trusted in Christ for salvation, but you have a faith that a lot of us often do that is wavering. And it's easy for us as believers to allow the physical world around us to cause us to lose focus of the greater spiritual realities and the promise, promises that God has given to us. Ones that should impact how we live presently. There are some days that, that we just don't feel like uh, God is, is, is near to us. And it becomes difficult to believe. But I encourage you, as the author of Hebrews encourages those he is writing to, do not shrink back and fall away from the faith, but endure with a great confidence and assurance that God will reward those who endure with what He has promised. Read, memorize, meditate on the promises of God found within the Scriptures, while at the same time crying out to Him that He would give you the ability to be able to believe and to rest in those promises. You know, if you're discouraged because of, of present sin that you're trying to fight against, then don't stop fighting. Endure in your fight against sin and rest on the promise of God that if you're in Christ, as the writer of Hebrews writes in 10.14, for by a single offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by a single offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You know, when, when John Piper writes referring to this verse, he says, One of the greatest sources of joy and endurance for the Christian is knowing that in the imperfection of our progress, we have already been perfected. And that this is owing to the suffering and the death of Christ. You know, as a church, and as Joshua just prayed earlier, we know that we have to move out of this building by the end of the month. 
for at least some time there, there may be some uncertainty about where we will meet and how long it will be until the Lord will allow us to move into the, whatever building the Lord provides for us. And this can be absolutely overwhelming task to take on as a church if we only look at this situation through the lens that the world will look through it. But, the, but we view this through a different lens and we step into this situation by faith, leaning on the promise of Romans 8.28. That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So even though it may seem, may not seem this way, everything is going according to His plan. And we've been given the opportunity as His church to walk by faith within that plan together. And so we're called first to endure with assurance of things hoped for, which is the first characteristic of faith mentioned here. But the second is that we're called to endure with a conviction of things not seen. Another way to translate conviction is, is evidence or proof of things unseen. Realize none of the Old Testament saints, they ever really saw God. Now John writes in John 1.18, No one has ever seen God until Jesus came and dwelt among us. And as Paul writes in Colossians 1.15, referring to Jesus, He was the image of the invisible God. So God the Son, in the flesh, He dwelt among us. But let's be honest, none of us have ever physically seen Jesus. Yet those who genuinely trusted in Christ for salvation have a conviction. If you trusted in Christ for salvation, you have a conviction of things unseen. And this is a characteristic of faith described here. See, all men, they live by faith, whether they're unbelievers or believers, every day in some way. By faith, we get into our cars and we stick the key into the ignition. And by faith, we hope that it will carry us wherever we're going. And by faith, we go to the doctor when we're sick and we trust in his diagnosis. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. By faith, we take the medicine that he prescribes and by faith, we trust that the pharmacist mixed it as he should have. You know, by faith, I signed up for an automatic deposit for my check from work to be t- deposited in my bank. And I hope that it is, because if not, then I can't pay the bills. But understand, there's a difference in this kind of faith that unbelievers and believers utilize every single day. And the kind of faith referred to here in Hebrews chapter 11. That kind of faith is a natural faith that all men have in things that we can physically see, we can smell, touch, taste. But spiritual faith does not come natural to man. But it is a gift given to us by God. You know, there are so many different evidences for God's existence from Romans 1 where we can see God's character displayed through His creation and how He has ordered His creation. Uh, we, we have the testimony of God's Word. You know, we even have the evidence of how God takes a sinful people like us and He changes our lives by giving us new life in Christ. But God has given us a conviction or a proof or an evidence which resides within us of the unseen spiritual world that exists. So if you've believed, then God has given you the gift of faith to receive Jesus who saves. It's like what Paul writes in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And Paul who wrote that, 
He knows this very well because when, remember when he was on the road to Damascus during his conversion experience, God blinded him physically and eventually granted him the faith and the spiritual sight to receive Christ. And even though we cannot see with our physical eyes God and the spiritual world that exists around us, He has given us the ability to see spiritually. John MacArthur, he writes, The natural man cannot comprehend that kind of spiritual faith. We see Him who is invisible. But the unsaved man does not, because he has no means of perception, because he has no spiritual senses. He does not believe in God or the realities of God's realm. He is like a blind man who refuses to believe there is such a thing as light, because he's never seen light. This is evidence, proof, or conviction that resides within those who have been given the gift of faith. But it's not just an inward reality. It should be an inward reality that, that is fleshed out within our lives. It should impact how we live presently. That's why those men and women that, that Trevor read about in Hebrews 11 during our Scripture reading, they endured as they did. They had a full assurance that God would fulfill His promises to them, and they had an unwavering conviction of the spiritual realities and that they had been given the ability to see and to understand and to believe. That's why in Hebrews 11 we see that in verse 7, by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Why would Noah, who has never seen rain his entire life, because it has never rained up until that point in, in history, spend 120 years constructing an ark in expectation that the earth's going to be flooded by this great rain? I mean, do you see how absurd this would have seemed to those who knew him? You speak of endurance. Yet he had a reverent fear of God that was greater than the fear of man. He had a deep conviction of things unseen, an assurance that God would bring about what he had promised. You know, we see in, in verse 8 of chapter 11, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, Abraham, he's, he's willing to leave the comfort of his home or the house of his father, as it says in the Old Testament, to live as a nomad. And the text says in Hebrews, verse 8, that he has no idea where he is going. I mean, do you realize how absurd this looks in the eyes of the world? Now, why would he leave the comfort of his home and the peace of mind to step into the unknown? Because he had a deep conviction of things unseen and a foundation of assurance that was built upon the promises of God. And we see these examples of enduring by faith within a found, with a foundation of hope and the promises of God and a deep conviction of things not seen in the lives of every other person that you read in chapter 11. I, I would encourage you, we're not able to cover them all this week, but this next week, take time to read through chapter 11 multiple times. Read through it slowly. Meditate on it. Be encouraged. And I encourage you to read it before Keith preaches next week from Hebrews chapter 12. But we see halfway through this chapter in the last few verses, verses 39 through 40, 
which is where we're, what we will look at uh, as we conclude. That as the author writes in verse 39, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So many of these Old Testament saints, they had to endure knowing very little about when and how God would bring about His means of salvation. And those who did live with this expectation of the Messiah who would come did not live to see His coming. Yet, as the author mentions in verse 2 and a few times throughout the chapter and in these final two verses, they were commended by or through their faith. They were counted as righteous because of their faith. Mark MacArthur, he writes again, their salvation was based on what Christ would do. Ours is based on what Christ has done. Their faith looked forward to promise. Ours looks back to a historical fact. Yet though their salvation was not completed in their lifetimes, these were not second-rate believers. They were believers of the highest order. They courageously struggled, suffered, and counted on salvation. They believed all of God's word that they had, which is what counts with Him. How much less faith do we often have in spite of our much greater light? So like the Old Testament saints, we will not see the full reward of our salvation until either Christ returns or by death we stand before Him. And as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. But until then, we're called to endure by means of faith that He has given to us. And if we are to endure, then we must have a foundation of faith in God and His promises. So, if you could just bow your heads with me. Um, we're just going to take a moment just to meditate and spend some time in a moment of silence. To I encourage you that, to examine yourself and see where your foundation, what is the foundation of your faith? You know, what is your assurance based upon your own good works or something else other than the promises of God within the Scripture? Um, if your faith is wavering, uh, I, I encourage you to cry out to God and ask Him to, to uh, give you the ability to believe and to rest in those promises.